Today's podcast is about mental health. We have a counselor, uh, Aaron McMahon, who is just here uh, in the room with us in the studio with Lewis and me talking about mental health issues. And uh, before we hear that conversation, I wanted to put uh, an idea in your head. And what is that idea? That you could become a BS crew member. Just think, could it be? Could it really be true? Could Do I have what it takes to be a BS crew member? Well, you do. What is a BS crew member? A BS crew member is someone who supports uh, Bumper Sticker Faith. And to find out more, you can go to our website, BumperStickerFaith.com, and click on the menu, and that'll um, take you to the BS Crew tab. And uh, you can see the levels of support that you can offer to us so we can keep having these incredible conversations, these incredible guests on the show to bring you helpful information and uh, inspiration to encourage uh, your faith and to encourage your walk with God. So check that out. Also know that we're on Instagram and we're on Bumper Sticker Faith. So go to those uh, pages and follow us and like us there. And I hope you enjoy the show today, future BS crew member. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Bumper Sticker Faith. My name is Louis Dude. I got my brother Sam Key in the house. What's up, my brother? How you doing? I'm I'm doing okay. We're on, we're on a Saturday today. A Saturday? Is it yeah. today? Saturday? Yeah. Well, let's not tell people that. Because well, we just released did it on though. Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, well, you let the cat out the bag. I did. Well, anyway. I'm, I'm doing better than last Wednesday, though. Are you? Yeah. I'm not, man. My mental health is kind of <laughs> messed up today. Mine? Okay. I got a funny story about that, actually. So, okay. So last week... I was fasting from like coffee and food and all that, wow. you know, because I thought I had a blood test. Oh, that's right. And um, I went in to do this blood test. Now, the, the whole issue was, okay, the whole issue was I get sleepy when I drive. And over the year, like I always have. And finally, my wife said, you know, we're taking you and getting you tested. Figure this out. <laughs> and we're thinking to do like a blood test and like say I need more vitamin mm-hmm. Z or something. Yeah. That's a sleeping joke. Um, oh. <laughs> that's a good one. But um, so we, we get there, you know, race to get there. And we had to, I had to fast for 24 hours prior to that. And th- it wasn't a blood test. This whole appointment, it lasted five hours. It was a psych evaluation. What? Yeah. And, and I like sit down and this guy sits across from me and he has like, I don't know, puppets and all these <laughs> toys and things to play with. And I'm like, what is this? Like, aren't you going to draw my blood? He's like, no, we're going to, you know, ask you these questions. And the first guy then hands me off to the second guy, this neuro whatever, and just goes on and on and on. Really? Yeah. I thought you were going to say they had a sleep test for you. That's what I thought. Because I, I thought, fall asleep all the time when I drive, and I actually stayed overnight in the hospital, and they like glued stuff to my yeah. head and my chest and all. I thought you was gonna say that happened. Yeah. No. What? It was crazy. It was insane. Or, or maybe I am. Is that what the the results were? Well, he's like, okay, here's your news. I, he said, I don't know why you're falling asleep, but you are crazy. So, <laughs> well, maybe we can get some direction <laughs> and advice from our guest today. Yeah, we do have a guest. I got a, we got a brain guy. Yeah, we do. Not a, like a neurosurgeon brain guy, so, but like a mental health type yeah. brain guy. So we have a real live therapist, counselor. Another a- one. Aaron McMahon. Did I say that right? Yeah, that's nailed it. Yeah. Oh, man. What's up, brother? How you doing today? Good, man. How are y'all doing? Saturday, I'm doing all right, man. Nobody's doing anything. Everybody's hanging out. I'm ready to go eat some deep dish pizza after this, man. <laughs> I'm so always I'm, ready to eat some Because I'm like, man, we got to speed this thing. I'm, no, I'm just mm-hmm. playing, but mm-hmm. I am going to deep dish later. I mean, that's, I, that's the, important. So if you want to leave. Yeah, but whenever. look, if it was Giordano's, the best <clears> in the world, I wouldn't even came. It's Lou Malnati's. That's a little weaker. That's weak as water right there. That's but I'm weak. still going to eat it because somebody else buying it. Cha-ching. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Only pizza been better than that is free pizza. Yeah. All right, cool. Enough about pizza. No, no, pizza's never enough about pizza. So, so, ma- so Aaron, yeah, you know, go. No, Lewis. I was just going to say, so I met Aaron a few years ago because I was having some personal issues in my life and his 
um, what well, is not a company? What, what is what is people? His, pra- his practice, right? Yeah. Which is kind of like, did you practice on me? Because like I want the game, yeah. I want the game day <laughs> stuff, not the practice stuff, Aaron. So Talking I feel like practice. I was cheated. Talking like when you practice. go to the doctor and it's a practice, it's like, wait a minute, they are practice like playing doctor on me? <laughs> no, but I get Talk the Allen Iverson reference. Yeah. That was nice. Practice? You talking about practice? Talking about the game. Come on, practice. That was that's and if you don't know what that is, listeners, go check out Allen Iverson on YouTube and just put in practice. It's amazing. Anyway, I got a chance to meet Aaron because I was I was man, I was struggling. I sent an SOS email out about three in the morning to about a handful of friends, brothers in Christ, and they all responded. And a couple of them was like, we got to get you to see somebody. I'm like, I'm all about Mm -hmm. that, man, because I got to get fixed. Mm -hmm. And so I went and saw Aaron, man. He really like there was some things that came out, not like deep seated personal things, but just some things I was going through. He helped me pull out and help me process. And I was like, wow, like, man, that was like a couple monkeys jumped off my back mm-hmm. so man i had some experience with what you do man and so can't thank you enough for that and uh i'm excited for you to be here even though i didn't invite you sam did <laughs> but i'm excited to hear what you got to say well and i heard god introduced you well maybe a couple ways but one way was i heard you speak at a conference a marriage conference about a year ago yeah uh, and it was fantastic it was it was wonderful and uh, I thought I need to get to know this guy a little bit more, and I think um, uh, introduce him to our audience. Yeah. Did it work? Yeah, it did. What, what, it did the marriage conference? <laughs> it's always working. It's always working. It's, it's always, always a work. Working. Never not working. That's right. That's right. It's like Jesus, right? The Holy yep. Spirit is never not working. Yep. Yep. Cool. So tell us about uh, Steeple, about yeah. yourself there, <clears throat> and how that got started. So, so you're kind of a. A friend of mine, Jonathan Anderson, um, owns Steeple. I don't know about five. Well, could have been. What's the what year are we in? Twenty twenty three. So this will be, you know, like July, be five years mm-hmm. since we've started Steeple. And uh, you know, kind of a, you know, my burden was always uh, kind of bound up and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so mm-hmm. for me, when I thought about um, I, you know, I went, in, I went to seminary to be kind of a, you know, with like a pastoral care emphasis, right. To maybe practice in a church as a, you know, care pastor or something like that. And, uh, then I got kind of, you know, one of the things you do there is you take some counseling classes to fill the, you know, the electives component of the, uh, the degree. And, and one of my friends was like, you should take counseling skills. It's like the basic, you know, and I think everybody should know skills for counseling. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Um, and so I, I took that class and I got a lot of good feedback from, from people I was working with. And I was like, man, yeah, maybe I will consider it. And I tend to just kind of, let's just go all the way. Right. So I, I wanted to kind of get the, the licensed degree so that, um, I could, you know, practice professionally, you know, use insurance kind of stuff like that. But, um, you know, the desire to like love God and love people, I wanted to do that the best that I could. Uh, and, and figured, you know, being a long time ago, I've been in church for forever, uh, became a Christian at four and uh, I was witnessing to friends in second grade and telling wow. them about Christ. And you were like born like in the sanctuary, right? I was basically, I don't even know. The, but your uh, first bath was like yeah. holy water or something, right? <laughs> I was blessed. And, uh, <laughs> um, so, and I remember being, you know, like in high school and, and hearing people say stuff like, you know, at churches or whatever. And I'm like, that's not right. I don't, I don't know why that's not right, but I know that that's not right. And I never wanted to be that person who was saying things that were, you know, like incongruent with God's word. Right? Mm, amen. Like, um, so I, you know, did youth ministry degree and was a youth pastor for several years. And Jonathan, uh, you know, the steeple owner was also, we like, we knew each other. We lived together. We were uh, good friends, each other's weddings and stuff. Mm. So <clears throat> kind of a similar burden, right? We both did the divinity and both did counseling and, uh, he was at the orchard as a pastor, <clears throat> worship pastor, and we kind of started talking and started, you know, scheming and thinking like, how can we, you, you know, care for the church well? Um, you know, growing up in the church, seeing a lot of stuff happen and people kind of just checking out and not feeling well cared for, which, you know, things are busy. Pastors are so busy, mm-hmm. so, so busy. Um, and wanting to be, you know, clinical counseling for the church, like counseling for the church, for people in the mm. church, not only, but 
we wanted to have an avenue where you know pastors could trust where they send their people. Um, and <clears throat> so, you know, talked with we had we had a uh, we call them the sharks. We had some board, you know, some people like oh, okay. overseeing us. You know, some business minds and you know thoughtful people. Um, talked with you know Pastor Colin and um, some elders, um, Pastor Scott, um, Hutch, Jenna Elo, some 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 people that knew knew about business and some heavy hitters. Bond. Yeah, I mean some some people that were really helpful and they kind of helped us shape and talk through mm-hmm. and who are we going to talk to, how do we start it, and um, you know because we had the vision and uh, really wanted to give people you know people are going to go somewhere right mm-hmm. and. Um, when they're hurting, when they're struggling, and sometimes they'll go to a pastor and the pastor can, you know, so busy, you can meet with them once a month for an hour and then, then what? Right. So, you know, we had a heart for that. So then we began processing and talking about it. And, um, I think, uh, John's wife came up with the name, you know, like people look to a steeple as Mm -hmm. a, you know, place to, in the community they would go Mm -hmm. to to find the Lord. And so, you know, that, that image of, you know, a steeple being a place you can come uh, mm-hmm. for care was, yeah. you know, the heart let me it. ask a question real quick. Yep. So you mentioned a um, person having an issue or problem and, you know, them going to a pastor, maybe meeting like once a week, once a month or something like that. Would you say based on your educational background and experience that all pastors aren't really equipped to go as deep as someone like you that's been trained in this specifically? I don't know that they're not. It, it depends on kind of what you mean equipped. Well, I mean um, trained. Like I'm, I'm assuming that by you taking a specific pathway in school that it gave you different mm-hmm. tools and mm-hmm. more tools in that area than it would have got us going to get his MDiv and just be a pastor of a church. Mm-hmm. So they'll have some of the tools, but I feel like you'd have more tools in your box, right? Yeah, I mean, you you get more tools in your box. I think it's you know sometimes similar to saying, "Do you need to go to seminary to preach the word? Do you need to go to seminary mm. to know the Lord? Do you need to go to seminary to you know like share the gospel?" I don't know that you you don't need to go to seminary to share the gospel. That's not true. Hey right? man, yeah, without um, a doubt. And you don't need to go to seminary to understand how to rightly divide the word of God. Hey Amen. But it, but it is a really focused intentional time where you spend a lot of time thinking and doing those things. Um, and I think if, you know, if more pastors had the time to do some of this stuff, I think they would actually do it quite well. Um, okay. So, so then there wouldn't be a need for people like you. Then. I would, I mean, <laughs> if there's no sin, there's no need for any, you know, like people yeah, like that's me. True. Um, but there's, there is sin and right. and people are broken and I and I think the 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 availability you know what somebody said the best avail best ability is availability and not you know not everybody has that I think we have a I mean, you, you talk to a pastor who's been pastoring for you know fifteen years they're spending if they're preaching they're spending twenty to twenty five hours a week preparing sermons and they're thinking you know, about their congregation and the context of they're doing that well and how this applies. And we're, you know, we're spending 35 hours a week with people, you know, talking through mm-hmm. struggles and heartaches and trauma and anxiety. And I mean, all these sorts of things. So we just spend, a, you know, f- broken families and we spend a lot of time, you know, doing that. And I think, you know, like a really, I've met with some really well-seasoned pastors who are, I mean, like they just nail it, you know. They can see it. They have insight. Um, they may not know kind of trajectories of somebody's struggle, right? Like, but we've seen we sit with a lot of people for a lot of time, and so we tend to be able to observe patterns and mm-hmm. habits. And uh, you know, it's funny you talk about sleep. One of my specialties is insomnia. I work okay. with people with insomnia, um, mm-hmm. and it's a. Um, there are some things that people do that are counterproductive to it that research says, like, you know, it's not magic. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just changing the way they think and the way they act. And it, it you know, alters how much um, it alters their sleep and, you know, helps them sleep better and, you know, figure mm-hmm. some of that stuff out. So some of that is is there. I think a lot of the the struggles, though, there, there are sometimes you get to a level that's deeper, I mean, even than us, but like you get to 
levels that are like, they just need a higher level of care. They need somebody to be more intentional, Mm -hmm. more consistent. Um, And I, you know, I think people, pastors are real busy and some of that busyness doesn't allow them to really sit with people for a long time. Um, But there are some significant, you know, struggles that people have that, you know, some pastors aren't trained for. Do you notice any uh, trends these days? Like we had a a guest from Unlocking the Bible on, uh, Tim Augustine, and Mm -hmm. in his ministry, they have thousands of listeners and the listeners can write questions in. And he said, these days, listeners are writing in more mental health type questions than strictly Bible questions, which they Mm -hmm. usually do. And he, and you know, it just, he just noted that. So what do you see any trends these days about kinds of issues people are struggling, struggling with what, what's bringing people in to see you? I, you know, I think obviously COVID hit people in a way that was substantial. And I, and I think when I think about some of that stuff, I I think you know, COVID didn't cause things. It just exposed things, Mm -hmm. right? Amen. It exposed your lack of relationships. It exposed the fact that you've busied yourself to the point where you don't know who you are. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of identity issues cropping Mm -hmm. up. A lot Mm -hmm. of, you know, you get people in these broken homes where they kind of come together and there's like a clash and then they, they're able to go like to sports or work Mm -hmm. or whatever, but now everybody's at home. Mm -hmm. So now you just have these constant unending cycles of conflict because Mm -hmm. they're not good at resolving conflict. Mm -hmm. They don't know what it's like to care for people. They just busy themselves to death. And then Mm -hmm. you have these other components of, you know, the world getting so like this immediacy, like I need this right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not, I mean, it doesn't surprise me one because one of the purposes of scripture is for it to explode into our lives, right? And and really change us and <clears throat> frame the world for us. But you don't get that on a tweet, right? You don't mm-hmm. you don't have you can't understand the full scope of God's word from some, you know, one Bible verse that you know says something that feels good today. That may um, be taken out of context. That's, yeah, that's a, lot a of bunch times, of yeah. B you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you have some of that stuff and, you know, biblical literacy is down or up. Mm-hmm. Biblical mm-hmm. literacy, there it is, mm-hmm. is down. And, you know, people not knowing God's word and still feeling all of these things um, and having all of these struggles, they're looking for an application to like, can something help me? Can the Lord help me? And he can, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's obvious um, from his word and, and from, I think, all of our lives to see that. But yeah, it's not surprising because I think people are asking the questions that they're feeling and it is a, it's a wild, you know, riots and mm-hmm. political stuff. And I mean, all of that kind of thing, people's lives are in upheaval. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in a, in a really unique way, that's probably never happened to a, a world like it, you know, that most mm-hmm. people have been alive for. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to people who are, uh, who certain Christians who are suspicious of psychology? I think you know, I think in some sense, yeah, that that's right. There is a there is a need to be. I mean, in, instead of saying suspicious, let's use a biblical word, discerning. Mm-hmm. We do need to be discerning about things uh, that we receive. Uh, I, you know, I'm discerning about a lot of biblical teaching out there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, yep. So there's there's plenty of stuff there. I think I think psychology historically probably started to like, just let's get a better understanding of things. Mm -hmm. And then people came out with theories that seemed to work, that seemed to make sense. And some of them are just so crazy. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But it, it hits at a, you know, a need or a feeling. And um, yeah, I think there's reason to be discerning about all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. Certainly psychology is one of those sorts of things, Um, but everything discerning, um, in some of these areas, there's some weird stuff. There mm-hmm. is some weird stuff, but there's some weird and, and probably uniquely weird because it's trying to sometimes answer meaning questions like meaning of mm-hmm. life, meaning mm-hmm. value, all of those sorts of things. And, and scripture talks about those. And a lot of times they are contradictory. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's the second Kings, second King something. Um, they said they worshiped worthless idols and themselves became worthless. Mm. Um, so we become like what we worship. Mm-hmm. We become like what we reflect. We were born, you know, God created mankind to be reflective mm-hmm. with a reflective identity. And so we can reflect, you know, anything. Um, <clears throat> and so 
you get something that begins to answer these big meaning questions and you're like, yeah, that's it. Mm. Um, and I think when you, you look at something and trace it all the way through, if you do that, you, you find that some of these theories, I mean, these theories are not scripture, right? They have, I, I think that they, some of them have explanatory power, but they have no authority, right? Scripture has the authority. It frames life and practice life and faith. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, when you have that framework of scripture and also the specifics that come through that, you can discern those really well. But again, you know, with biblical, um, illiteracy, people don't really have that. And so it's easy to kind of cast certain things totally to the side and say like, that's all bad and this mm -hmm. is all good. And scripture is all good. So we know that, but I think that's some of the ways that's probably not a full enough answer yeah. for I, th I think that, man, what you're saying makes so much sense to me. Even with just a few hours ago, I was in Cook County Jail and um, two different things. One, a guy was, you know, talking about like, why God are you like doing these things? Like allowing the evil to prevail in the world and things like that. And to me, that comes down to biblical literacy, you know, understanding the Bible, understanding who God is and understand the sovereignty of God. And then basically trusting and have faith that God knows what he's doing. And one guy was like, but I want to know and I want to, I want to know. And I was like, you sound like Eve to me, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. with this fruit, like mm. I want to know this other knowledge that God is saying, no, mm -hmm. this isn't good for you. But you have the opportunity to know. And I said, you're never going to know because because you're just not like God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And you're not going to know these answers. And to know these answers would mean that you have the knowledge God mm -hmm. has, which means in a way, in one way, you're like God. And that's mm -hmm. what man's yeah. problem is to begin with. They yeah. want to be like we God. That's what Satan's yep. thing is. That's why he got kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be like the most high God. And now you want these answers. And I say, you got mm -hmm. a trust issue, mm -hmm. man. You need to trust that God knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's I'm always trying to use the word of God to put things in a godly perspective or a biblical mm -hmm. perspective. Another guy just got <laughs> 17 years and he said, but I'm innocent. And I said, man, I, I can't relate to that. You know, I'd never done time in prison for a crime I didn't commit. Mm -hmm. and I said, just out of curiosity, like, had you done any other things before? He was like, oh, yeah. And I was, <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not saying it's good that you get convicted of a crime you didn't commit. But I said, God is a just God, you know, and he hates sin. And I said, mm -hmm. the great thing is that God isn't acting as much today as he did in mm -hmm. Old Testament times where people would just get get nailed mm -hmm. and get, God would kill them or mm -hmm. send a group of people to kill a whole nation of people, you know, because of their sin. So he's extending grace to you. So 17 years for something that you didn't do versus maybe a bigger sentence for something you did do, mm -hmm. like you should be thanking God. Mm -hmm. This is all I got because if I got what I deserved, I would have death and hell mm -hmm. to look forward to. So, again, it's, it, for me, like, I don't know if that's kind of what I'm doing other than just me, like, putting things in perspective as it pertains to what the Bible says and who God is and his mm -hmm. character and nature and trying to get them there, like, mentally or psychologically. Well, one thing that you're doing that is so healthy to me is, like, in that first example, getting people to accept their limitations, their creatureliness. Like, I'm a creature. Uh, I'm not God. <laughs> Only God is God. And... Like in my personal story, like that was a big part of the funk that I can get in, in the sense that um, I thought, well, I'm, uh, I'm bigger and better than these problems around me. Like they won't get to me <laughs> or I don't mm -hmm. need to take care of myself. I don't need to uh, take time off. I don't need to see a counselor, for instance, because I got, I got it all under control mm. and I don't accept rather than. Uh, embracing or accepting uh, my limitations that, and that, that caused me to get stuck. And I was wondering from you, Aaron, like what are some of those uh, other things that cause people to get stuck? Um, <clears throat> man, so many things. Um, mm. You think about, you think about sin, right? We're born sinful into a sinful world that nourishes and cherishes sin. Um, and then we have willful, intentional sin, and then also people sin against us. So we're just like, there's all these avenues 
of stuff uh, that you know coming at us. So I think you know you talked about um, sort of we would call it self care, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being wise, um, not toiling, trusting the Lord, resting because mm-hmm. um, He's a God who rests. So um, I think you know some of that probably is identity, right? Mm-hmm. You're thinking like, who am I? Well, I'm mm-hmm. a worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like rather than um, my identity is in Christ. And even if I fail, I'm still, you know, valuable. Mm. Um, and I don't have to make everything uh, like happen. There's, um, so let's say, you know, self-care is one of those things that it's, a you know, it's a death by a thousand cuts, right? You don't really know what's happening until you, until it's happened. Mm. Um, I think the, mm. you know, the frenetic pace that, I mean, you know, I was just talking beforehand, we were talking about like all the stuff that we're doing, you know, all of us are kind of doing and it's easy to get caught up in mm-hmm. that and then just make that, you know, the part and parcel to your life and never stop, never slow down. Um, I think there's, there's genetic stuff that happens for people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, trauma, abuse, there are, you know, actions that people take that, you know, they're thoughtless, but end up being huge decisions you know, that last drink before you, you know, leave and you hit somebody. I mean, there's some real mm-hmm. stuff that people are really dealing with. Um, there's being, you know, overwhelmed and not having support, you know, systems or care. I think one of them is like, you know, one of the things for Steeple is like, we, we want, we don't want to be somebody's care source. We want to supplement care for the church. So the hope is that, you know, they would come and we would have time, we would spend time with them, and we want to push them back into a, the place that God has called them to be, which is the church, and to care for people. Um, hopefully that, you know, there's some churches that don't care well at all. It's just a program, let's just get them out here. Mm-hmm. They pastor through programs rather than through shepherding individually, <clears throat> and those aren't good churches. Uh, so you want to go somewhere where they care for you and will walk with you through these things. So we're trying to push people back. I think people lack community. I know one, I'm going to say it wrong. Um the almost all of our what is what does he say there's a guy i know that says it and i can't think of it right now but it's something the fact of like almost all of our um some of our hurt comes through community but almost all of our health comes through community like you can't Mm -hmm. be when you disconnect from community Mm -hmm. you are you know because that's another part of our identity it's relational both Mm -hmm. vertical to the lord and also to the community that he created us to be in so people lack community they're kind of this you know on an island kind of doing their thing. So that's a variety. Um, I don't know if I answered that question yeah. super well, but you know, I see all of those aspects in people and that's, you know, that's one of the reasons, you know, when people come in, we're thinking through all of these categories, um, you know, relationships, family, work, job, self-care, uh, physical health. You know, I had a, a client many years ago and she was, what was she doing? She was, just sort of out of sorts and like doing all sorts of weird things. And her family was like, what the heck is happening to mom? And I think she was drinking and trying to fix something. And turns out like Mm. she was, you know, having some really major hormonal problems and they went to a doctor, checked it out. And all of a sudden she's back to normal. Mm. So, you know, sometimes, so we're looking at some of those medical history and Mm, you know family history and stuff like that. So there's, there's things like that, that you just, you're not noticing or you don't think about that we're trying to think through with them. So in terms of that training question you asked earlier, that's some of the things that like we're trained to do and to think mm-hmm. about that maybe a pastor isn't, mm-hmm. which is not to say they couldn't read and figure that out. But yeah, yeah. you know, we just have a, a different It's more of a focus. I mean, mm-hmm. the counseling part is the main focus of what you're doing. And as you said, most pastors their main focus is getting, you know, together with God and putting the word together so that they can deliver to the the people at church as well as some counseling, you know, talk about the importance of um, like wholeness or integrity in the sense of wholeness, as far as mind, body, emotions, you mentioned community being a part of that. Yeah. We talk, uh, I think, you know, you have my, my intro or my write up there, but you know, bio, psycho, social, spiritual kind of things, all of those. Um, When we did the, uh, you mentioned we did a marriage conference Mm -hmm. or did a couple of those and, one of the assessments we use, um, 
I call it the, you know, the, the hand model. But um, so you think about in terms of like how are people connected, it works both maritally and sometimes I have people come in and they're like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, well, let's just examine these areas, right, of your life. So you think of the physical, intellectual, emotional, sort of social, recreational, um, et- morals and ethics, and then spiritual. Like those, how are those areas of your life going? Um, mm-hmm. You're eating terribly, not sleeping. Um, you're not stimulated in conversation or in thought in any way, shape, or form, which can impact lots mm-hmm. of things, but also your sleep. You know, emotionally, you're dysregulated, you're exploding, you're you know disconnected, you're so busy, you don't you don't check in and think about how things are impacting you or how you're experiencing people, places, things in the world. You have no community, um, no recreation, no rest. Uh, your morals and ethics, they're all a whack because you have no, you're disconnected from anything that has any sort of influence or, you know, the, um, a worldview, things like that. And you don't know the Lord or you're not spending time mm-hmm. with the Lord. So you have all of these areas and, you know, they're kind of fragmented. And when you're just kind of going and busy, you're missing all of these really important areas in your life where you could connect and process and join with people. And, you know, in marriages where you're, you want those all to be on a scale of one to 10, you want them to be at tens. Mm-hmm. You want to be connected spiritually, mm-hmm. physically, intellectually, emotionally, socially, you know, hanging out with friends, recreationally, same morals and ethics and values. So you want all of those things to be kind of united and moving in the same direction. And a lot of people are really fragmented and they have sort of stated values, but they're living really inconsistently mm-hmm. with those. And I mm-hmm. think that that really messes with people. I see that a lot. They want something, their values say this, and yet they're living like this. And you're like, I don't really like, and sometimes it's, it's a job you have and it's all you have mm-hmm. and your boss is terrible and you're not really passionate about it or or whatever. And so you're going to this bad place, but you have to, to make a living. And, you know, so there's some of that stuff, but sometimes people just find themselves caught up in, you know, they're working 75 hours a week mm. for a company that they're, because they think they need to make all this money. And meanwhile, somebody else is parenting their kids, um, you know, caring for them, taking them to things and showing up at their games. And, and sometimes that's a reality. Some families work. I mean, I knew a guy who, whose dad worked 90 hours a week. Um, because they didn't have much money and mm-hmm. he was spent so much time. He was driving around and picking up scrap and just so he could make money for a kid, mm-hmm. you know, for his family to, to eat. Mm. And that's, you know, that's the nature of a, a sinful world we live in, but he was being honorable. Right. So sometimes it's people do it because they want to, and sometimes because they have to. So I don't know if that totally answers the question, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, man, you know, um, as I think about mental health and things like that, um, a lot of things, as you mentioned before, about COVID didn't it didn't uh, like tell us something new. It just exposed the stuff that already was existing in our lives. And so um, I like to talk a little, maybe a little bit more about that when we come back after this break. Welcome back. We're with the good brother Aaron McMahon, counselor. Would you would you call? What do you call yourself? Um, Other than your name, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a counselor. I'm a we would call ourselves Christian counselors. Okay. Um, I think would be the probably the most accurate. So just okay. Let's pause right there because yeah. I've encountered lots of controversy in the past mm-hmm. over that phrase. You got people in this group that say. Christian counselor. Then you have these people that say, no, it's biblical counseling. And Mm -hmm. they kind of are at war or against like this notion of a Christian counselor or maybe psychologist, Mm -hmm. like those two kind of together. And I'm just like, come on, man. I mean, people ready to go to war. Like they're ready to get some like missiles and AKs and stuff and start duking Mm -hmm. it out with people. So you said biblical counselor, which I, I mean, you say a Christian counselor, which I think is good, but is there a difference between a biblical counselor or a Christian counselor? Yeah, or? I mean, a, a biblical counselor is kind of a technical term. It has okay. like, a, like an actual meaning to the term. Um, 
So you would you would be trained in biblical counseling as an actual like training, CCEF, things like that. Okay. Whether, um, and <clears throat> excuse me, Christian counseling is a looser term um, that doesn't have any specific uh, sort of boundaries, so to speak. Hmm. When you when you start thinking about it, because there's lots of people, you know, Johnny uh, Jonathan Anderson at our at Steeple, he knew a guy that was like. Um, he's not a Christian. He was talking to him about, you know, Jonathan was going into counseling. He's like, ah, you know what? Yeah. I mean, you could do trans Christian counseling. I mean, I do Christian counseling too. And he's not a believer. And he's like, yeah, just some, some <laughs> techniques or whatever. And like, that's not it. <laughs> like, it's not a technique, uh, to do it. And I, I think, you know, we, we've talked about this. We have staff meeting and have a devotional and, you know, kind of work through some cases and stuff, um, every week. And one of the things that's important, uh, you know, is, some people will call themselves Christian counselors, and I, I kind of balk at a little bit all the terms. I know biblical counseling has a tech is a technical term that means something, and I think that's good that it you know like they're trying to like this is our stuff, right? Um, but I don't you know call myself a Christian driver or you know a Christian you know like remodeler or whatever. Um, I don't do remodeling, so that's why I wouldn't do that. But if I was, you know, like there's. There, you know, like we want to, you know, we, we share it that way because we want people to know what our values are and that scripture is our foundation. Um, but I think there's something more to it uh, that has to do with like, who are you as a, as a lifestyle? Okay. Right? Like I can't, when I formulate the world, uh, worldview, and I formulate how I counsel, it, it can't not come like, and, you know, be the boundaries of scripture. It can't not, it can't come from anything else than that because that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people come to us for a variety of reasons. Um, some Christians, some non-Christians, whatever, sometimes we're in their insurance network or whatever, but um, we're pretty like openly Christians and mm-hmm. that's our worldview, which doesn't mean we can't interact with other people and process through things. And we're trying to tell them like you got to be a Christian to, before you leave, you know those sorts of things. But we we do we are framed by Scripture, and so I think you know using even some of those terms, words have meaning and that's helpful. <clears throat> but I, I think in some sense, everything we do, mm-hmm. right? I'm in this podcast with y'all as a Christian, not as as a counselor, mm-hmm. right? But like that's what frames how I how I do things. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like. The two should be like the same thing. Like biblical biblical counseling to me is I'm using the Bible to counsel you, and Christian counselor is I'm a Christian, which I use the Bible in my everyday life, and I'm going to counsel you based on what the Bible says. So yeah. I kind of looked at them like two different terms that mean the same thing, but evidently they're not. Yeah, I mean I think the looseness of Christian counselor is because you get a lot of people who don't you know they call themselves Christians, but they believe things where you you wouldn't even like the historic church wouldn't even recognize you as a christian yeah yeah sure and so sure. you know but when you say i'm a biblical counselor you've you've agreed yeah, to a subset yeah. of belief systems about god's authority and his word and some of those sorts of things that that i think can be really helpful to yeah. you know so interesting so you may have clients who aren't christians i have a, quite a few clients that do are not you christians. do you find that exciting because there may be potential there, even though you're acting in a professional manner, that you would have an opportunity to potentially share the gospel with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about that with everybody, though. You know, like I get Christians that come into my office and they're saying stuff and I'm like, you know, I'm not telling you you have to believe this, but what you've said is something like the historic Christian church would never. Yeah. But I'm talking about people who you like legitimately, they come in and either, you know, because they were referred to you, maybe it's even somebody that you already know that is a Christian. Then if it's just a matter of them, like living outside of God's will, that's one thing versus a person that you can tell quickly is not a Christian. Sure, yeah, yeah. So now it becomes a, a difference between me as a brother in Christ trying to help you get back on the path versus someone who's not on the path and getting them on it. Yeah, I mean, I think the counseling is enjoyable regardless. But, uh, you know, when I when I share with people, like, it's hard to not notice that there's something, you know, like the books that I have in my office, if you just kind of like look through them, mm-hmm. you'll see there's a lot of you know, commentaries and such. But, you know, when I talk about things, I, 
I help them think through, like, why are you doing what you're doing? Mm -hmm. What are some ways that other people have thought through this sort of issue or whatever? And here's how I have Mm -hmm. thought through it, or here's how, you know, Christians think about this or, you know, like, so there's, there's opportunities for that type of thing. And and I let God do his work. Um, And I, you know, one of the things that we, um, we talk about is like, we trust that God has brought somebody to us for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to us specifically, individually, as for a reason. Maybe sometimes it's just for a redirection. Um, but sometimes it's for because God wants them to, mm-hmm. to know something different or to, to see something different. And, you know, we're, we're sensitive to, to how people... I mean, we have to be to help people view Christians and the church. And a lot of people have some really, really, really bad experiences. Uh, I've had some bad experiences in the church. Uh, family has had some bad experiences in the church. And so sometimes, you know, the there's a lot of barriers to that. So we, we try to be, you know, faithful and fruit of the spirit kind of coming, you know, from our lives. And so that, I mean, that's, that's always exciting to, you know, well, I, people I know and, one of the things that the phrase I hear um, is faith in the marketplace or mm-hmm. using your vocation as a mission field. Do you do you view your vocation as a mission field? I don't know. I don't think I've separated it um, in my life like that. Um, I don't know that I. I well, mean, certainly it would be. Um, but, but I, you know, I don't, I don't, I haven't segregated my work into a different thing than who I am. And, and that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. But I'm, like, I'm meaning like, well, okay. So if, if you haven't separated that, then, and this would be more of a personal question yeah. versus, um, business, like where's the mission field at in Eric McMahon's life? In other words, where are you encountering people who, you know, do not know Christ and you're sharing the gospel with them? Because a person's job, if it's a secular job, is a perfect opportunity for that. Yeah. I mean, and so sometimes it's there. Sometimes it's, you know, a lot of the, in terms of like mission field and time, there's a lot of time spent at home. There's time spent with family. There's processing some of those sorts of things. Um, Yeah. I mean, in terms of caring for people, we do get to care with them, care for them with the love of Christ. And they do get to see and interact regularly, you know, for people that come to Steeple with believers who love them and care for them and are faithful to, you know, the, we talk about being clinically excellent um, Mm -hmm. and some of clinical excellence is like recognizing their value. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of like, is it a mission field? I mean, certainly it would be, um, you know, a place to love and care for people like Christ did. I think about, you know, when Christ spent time with people, they weren't, they were not disgusted by him. I mean, um, eventually they were and they left him, but the people that he spent time with prostitutes, um, tax collectors and disciples and, um, you know, Pharisees, Sadducees, they, they experienced something different from him, um, that they hadn't had before, but who loved them. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, maybe it is a mission field. I just, I well, don't, I mean, if I you don't recognize it, but if you don't recognize it as such, I could easily see where it's not. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like my personal opinion, which I could be all the way wrong is that. Most Christians, and when I say Christians, I mean they are. So I'm not talking about maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Mm-hmm. Most Christians work a secular job, and most of them do not see where they work as a place, as a mission field. And because you are intimately dealing with people that right. is different than if I work at a pizza place or if I work at Apple, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Two businesses, different businesses, but you are intimately dealing with people's problems. And so to me, it just all of a sudden my heart kind of leapt inside of me when I asked that question a minute ago because I was like, wow, like when I'm dealing with a person that's having marital problems or or sexual impurity problems or lying problems or or mm-hmm. integrity problems, like for me to try to trace back the steps as to like, why is this happening? What does it mean? Is it an identity issue? Is it a learned behavior? Like to trace back why these things are happening and then using the Bible as a means to help them find out a new identity that they can have to replace or fill this emptiness that they have in them, that they're injecting all of this sinful behavior. And now if they inject Christ, that's the solution. 
You sure. know, well, doesn't mean make, the behavior stops immediately. Yeah, I want to make clear too that even Christians though need counseling. You know, I'm just, <laughs> like I don't want to. No, I, I'm yeah, not. I, I that understand that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm, when I think mission field, I don't think I'm counseling other Christians to help them be better. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm speaking oh, mission yeah, field yeah. people who yeah. don't know Jesus. This is off the heels of our last podcast wins, mm-hmm. and we talked about making disciples. And so I think, in my uh, again, my own personal opinion and experience in life, that most Christians, and I mean out of like clergy, I'll just use that term, mm-hmm. they're not making disciples. Making a disciple is not even in their framework mm-hmm. of thinking. And so I'm thinking, if I'm you, and I got children. Got a wife. I need to be at home. I got responsibilities and I need to be discipling my family. But is that it? It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. it. I can choose to just slough it off. Hopefully, my family, as they're growing, they're growing in Christ and they're mm-hmm. good, right? Meaning when they die, I know I'm going to see them again. Mm-hmm. They'll be in heaven, right? But what about these other people I'm encountering in the world that I'm encountering, not just a one off thing, but repeatedly? Mm-hmm. Like, what can I do? Like, you work in a grocery store. Mm-hmm. Who are you discipling at the grocery store? If the answer is no one, then I'm like, what's up? Like, I'm going to look you in the eye and ask you the tough question. Why? Why ain't you doing it? Yeah. Why is it not important? Do you not care about these souls who, if they die, mm-hmm. they're going to spend time in hell? Mm-hmm. And Jesus, it mattered to him when he encountered sinners. He didn't necessarily always reject them and damn them and condemn them. But he definitely didn't say, oh, that's okay. Come mm-hmm. here. Listen to me. Love on you. That's all right. That's all right. No, he's not going to condone it. So, like. We need to figure out how not to condone it, but yet still love mm-hmm. the people at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so my, my, my comment is that um, I don't set apart my work as a place only. Right. And so like discipleship for me is not just a, well, I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to work. So I get to finally like disciple people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a discipleship is living amongst people. And caring for them well, talking about Christ when you have the opportunity to, um, you know, being consistent and faithful, um, helping them find, you know, community and church and God's word and God's people. So, you know, discipleship and in terms of like, you know, maybe sometimes a, a counselee would be somebody that would think of me as a discipler, but I don't think many of them would, um, especially because we're, you know, all good counseling tries to work themselves out of a job. So we don't want somebody coming to see us for 17 years. You want right? to fix them and then on to the but, next one. Yeah. I mean, it's not about fixing, well, it's, you know, right. But I mean, yeah. that's the term. Yeah. So it's, it's not about like, we're not trying to hold on to them for a long time. We're trying to help work and process with them and then put them into a place where they are, you know, really well cared for. Now, some people, they split as soon as they, you know, but, so like discipleship to me is like walking alongside people for a while. And in terms of like helping be a piece for people to, you know, go and find a community of believers. And like that's part of what we, we have, you know, we get to do is to help people walk and, and find faithful believers. And sometimes people come back. Um, and so there is a, there is, you know, the, the term we probably, we probably wouldn't use the term discipleship, uh, because we're not trying to, um, that isn't really the nature of our, of our work as much as it is to remove barriers and boundaries to maybe true discipleship. And see, I would argue and say, that's the very thing that the counselor is doing to even go back to your point. Like if this is a believer and they got issues, I'm helping you, I'm discipling you mm-hmm. to help you make it through these issues and to help you learn how to care for yourself or help you find out what the problems are and then sure. onboard you to a platform to where you can get the care that you need. So I would call that discipleship. Yeah. And maybe mm-hmm. it's a, you know, a definition of terms, right? But, you know, so we're trying, I think a lot of, you know, mental health counseling for people is to remove barriers to fullness of life uh, to abundant life and there's you know we we talked a little bit earlier about like what's the what's the you know struggles that bring people in mm-hmm. and I, and i think you know like they lack peace mm-hmm. right they lack abundant life and um and some people don't really want abundant life they just want like this issue to be mm-hmm. gone i know one issue that uh probably brings people in is failure past mm-hmm. failure and i um heard from um, um, Dante's Inferno when he goes down to 
to hell to the very very bottom uh, it says that uh satan is there and he's like chewing like constantly chewing and it's like what's he chewing on and, and the idea is that he's like chewing on all sin chewing on on judas uh on like these great traitors you know and to me like that's a powerful picture of like uh, still processing and not being able to get over sin. Like, is there an issue that you're constantly chewing on, chewing, chewing, chewing? Mm-hmm. And then that reminded me, you know, in scripture, it says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, you know, that yeah. gnashing of teeth. And and I recognize that, like in myself, where when I get stuck on something, a lot of times it's like a failure and I just can't get past it. I keep chewing on it, chewing on it, chewing on it. Yeah. And it, you know, pops up sideways in all kinds of ways in my life. And so how do you help people get over or get through uh, failure and deal with that? Yeah, it's hard. I, you know, a couple of things that pop up, you know, like they think about when you mentioned failure. One is I used to have this pastor. Um, he was, you know, the pastor of the church I was a youth pastor at, and he was wonderful, just a grace man. And he said, people who have struggled with failure haven't failed enough. Hmm. Um, hmm. And I think he meant by that, like you... That's good. Like once you, when you do something enough, you're like, ah, that's, you know, that happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, the other thing that kind of, you know, I remember is Tim Keller, I think it was a talk on something. I, maybe it was a, I think it was a talk. And he said, there are people who say, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. Mm-hmm. Right. That sort of popular refrain. And he said, what that means is that you have something in your life more important than God. Like if God's statement about you is not the mm-hmm. absolute final truth then you are then you've degotted god essentially mm-hmm. and you've made yourself or your feelings i mean this is what happened with eve right she looked at it pragmatically aesthetically and essentially right it's good for food and uh oh i can i can get some knowledge from this and you know now i gain wisdom like god right so these three things and when we elevate those sorts of things to the the peak of like oh you know if i don't feel like this is true um, you know, we have a, we have a feelings problem. I think that's one of the mm-hmm. big things. And these days is about feeling feelings become facts, right? So I feel this way. So therefore it's true. And I feel like you're a jerk. So therefore it's true. You are, cause I feel that way. So mm-hmm. of course that's true. And now everybody, I'm going to tell everybody that that's what you are, but it's just a feeling and I feel it. And, and it's not it's just giving me insight into how I'm experiencing you, but that's a lot about me mm-hmm. and not so much about you. And I think this fear of failure or getting stuck on fa- mm-hmm. failures is one, maybe they haven't failed enough to realize like it's not really the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe for sometimes it could be the end of the world when you fail in the wrong way because mm-hmm. um, you die. But the other, you know, it's not that. And I think it exposes that there's something really important in our lives that is not the Lord because mm-hmm. his grace is sufficient for all of these sorts of things. And um, you talk about failing forward, falling forward, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you learning something from it? Or are you just mm-hmm. stuck in this you know, make a mistake and keep making the mistakes and never learn. But yeah, I don't, you know, I think failure does bring people in mm-hmm. the inability to, or the inability to, you know, succeed and, um, in somebody else's eyes or, you know, again, a lot of that's identity issues. Like, why do I want to be at so good? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the meaning behind, you know, being so good at this? Um, that's an idolatry issue. Mm-hmm really, you've lifted this thing up as the most ultimate thing. And when you don't get that, because we're reflective, you know, like if I'm reflecting this like powerful, you know, entrepreneur who's getting things done and I fail, well, then it says something about who I am, mm-hmm. not, not about what I've done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I like what you said about the, the first part, you know, I dealt with, that dealt with a lot of guys in prison like that, you know, and they had murder cases and sometimes like even sexual cases and they couldn't forgive themselves, you mm-hmm. know, and that's the exact thing. Like, then your view of God is very small, you know, and this crime you've committed is essentially become a God to you mm-hmm. that is above the one and only true and living mm-hmm. God. And so another aspect of that that I learned and experienced is that a lot of people feel like they must owe something in return because of what they've done. And on one hand, it kind of makes sense a little bit, right, is mm-hmm. having a heart for retribution. And when you've done a wrong, you want to yeah. right a wrong. Yeah. So that's not a bad Mm-mm. thing. But in the context of a forgiving God, 
of a person who's a sinner, no matter what the sin is, then it's a fact that you believe biblically and not a feeling that you get inside because it's like, oh, man, I, I feel like I need to do this. Man, feelings will lead you astray every single time. Well, they won't lead yeah. you astray every single time. Yeah. They, they're they apt to lead you mm -hmm. astray um, if it's going against the truth mm -hmm. of what God's word says. And so that's what it is. It's an understanding mm -hmm. God's character and nature. And are you going to re really believe what his word says? To me, mm -hmm. I'm a bottom line guy. The bottom <clears throat> line is, do you do you believe this is God's word? Yes. Then this is where it says right here, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. Then you believe in that. Mm-hmm. Even if, I mean, that more really applies to believers, but just the fact of us, you know, coming to Christ and putting our faith and trust in him, Romans 10, 9 and, Romans 10, 9 and 10, confessing my Lord Jesus and believe that God raised him from the dead and like forgiving of our sins, repenting, like all of that, then we're forgiven, man. Let that stuff go. Mm -hmm. But people carry that gorilla on their back. Absolutely. And it affects every yep. aspect of their life, man. They got to believe that that they what they did was bad, mm -hmm. right? But- Christ went and died for that. Yep. Yep. I want to talk about bumper stickers. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so the we we were talking before and you asked about where the name bumper sticker faith came from. And it actually came from uh, a counseling session that I was in. And I was uh, I was being counseled. And I remember um like I didn't want to be there. Like maybe who does want to be there, but I didn't want to be okay. there. And uh, and I thought, you know, I don't, I don't need this, you know, um, uh, I can figure it out with enough knowledge or study or whatever. And, and I kept, um, like giving all these answers that I thought like were the right answers, like the counselor wanted to hear, you know, mm -hmm. in order to get me through this. And at one point, um, she became very frustrated at me. And she just blurted out, would you stop giving bumper sticker answers? Because I was just kind of saying, and it, it took me back because I was saying all the answers, all the things that I thought were the right answers, like right. that the good person, the good Christian, mm. the good whatever would say that she wanted to hear. But I wasn't. Um, wasn't a truthful answer. Yeah, they weren't necessarily. And I, but I didn't even know they weren't truthful. Oh, I just, wow. You know, I was just kind of hiding behind this. And I think. And, that, and then that translated into the idea of bumper sticker faith, because I think that uh, as as believers, as Christians, we do that a lot, well, with each other and with God, like in our prayer time or uh, in our thoughts about God, we just kind of say what we think he wants to hear, but but we're right. not we're like really honest with God in prayer. Right. Like when we pray, we don't say, God, right now I am tempted to lust after all this. I... Right now, I really want to just punch this person in the face. Mm -hmm. Right now, like if you, this is where I'm going. Like we're and we, but but we give God. We hide behind bumper stickers and slogans, and we do that. And Christians do that with each other mm, all the time. Absolutely, all the yeah. time. And yeah, but so I, I guess what are some like bumper stickers and that kind of issue that that you see? Uh, you mean like cliche? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's a. Uh, Yes, there's, there's, a, I mean, there's the the classic ones of like, you know, it's on God's hands. Which, mm -hmm. I mean, which is true, um, but you don't live at peace, so I don't think you believe yeah, that. Yeah. Like that's not, and and I think too, like for me, like oh, you know, get, you know, God'll, God's in control. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. But have I submitted to God's mm -hmm. control? Mm -hmm. Have I trusted uh, in His control? Um, that. You know he cares for me. I, I think that's a that's a really big one. Um, <clears throat> I know all things work for good, right? Mm. What was my my wife was using one today? That's so common. Lord won't give you more than you can handle, mm. which that's not actually even true. Yeah, because <laughs> um, Paul says he's given me you know despaired even unto death. Right? Mm. He's like we cannot handle this. So mm. because God's power is made perfect mm. in our weakness, um, you know. So there, I think there's, you know, you're in the church long enough, you hear all of them. And so they're just part of the cliche kind of stuff. And I'm not sure what bumper sticker stuff were you were using, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's a lot of, uh, you're just trusting Jesus. Yeah. I mean, no, that's true, but I don't, I don't seem like you're trusting mm -hmm. in Jesus. Um, and I, I think that's part of the, if you can have a catch all word or phrase or verse 
um, that just kind of grabs it and you throw it in there, it, it doesn't actually change your world um, to not to be dishonest about like, yeah, um, all things work together mm-hmm. for good, but I don't feel any good right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the, the psalmist, like, how long, O oh Lord? Right? There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a, a book by Dr. Carson, How Long, O oh Lord, Reflections mm-hmm. on Suffering and Evil or something like that, um, that deals with some of these <clears throat> really hard things. And there is a a place for lament and struggle and and when the when we're comparing ourselves to other people especially you know social media is so crazy these days where you're just getting like mm. their best part of their day mm. and you know they just built a new kitchen and uh, wow I just mm-hmm. you know where am I going to put all these sodas and how am I going to use all of these you know drawers mm-hmm. are just too many um you see like the best part of people's days and none of their fights none of their junk mm-hmm. and you think like well they've got it all together and then, you know, 15 years later, they're divorced and everybody hates everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, you know, I think a lot of times just trying to say these things like mantras. Mm-hmm. And if we yeah. say them enough, we'll believe yeah. it. And then once we believe it, everything will be, um, everything will be okay. And like to use your example, like let's say you go to church and someone knows you're uh, in a trial right now and they ask you how it is and you just simply, or I just simply respond, well, it's in God's hands because I want to appear like I'm a faithful mm-hmm. person. Uh, and as opposed to being able to say to that person, when they ask me about it, instead of saying, you know, it's in God's hands, I say, I, I know it's in God's hands, but I'm really scared. Uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm confused you know, and, and opening yourself up and being vulnerable to that person, then giving them the opportunity to, to realize that they need to pray more for you or care more yeah. for you, or, you know, then it, it brings uh, more intimacy. Well, but, I think, I, I wonder like how many people actually do care. That, you know? mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's part of the problem too. I, I mean, I've had plenty of people, so many people um, who are like going something really hard and somebody comes up and they're like, oh, How's your how's your wife doing? How's your husband? You're like, I don't know you. How did how did you even what? Yeah. Who are you? You know, like you you get these people coming up, or I've had somebody who had a bunch of stuff going on in his life, and somebody came up at the grocery store who he'd never even met and started asking him about his life. And he's like, What? Like, why are you asking me? You don't know me. You're we're not in community. We're not friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and like if I tell you, or you know, like the reason they got it is because somebody gossiped. Or they could have sent up a prayer request and just gave too much information or something. Right. I mean, that's I mean, what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, or it could be sometimes that happens. And so I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of mistrust in people. And so when you share, I think the, I don't know, I think that things people don't understand, you know, there's the concept of in counseling confidentiality. That's one of the reasons people come is because they can come and process something mm-hmm. and they know that tomorrow night their wife's friend's not going to talk to them about it. You know, like they, they they don't have to worry about that. And and yet they, you know, and some pastors do that really well and some are really poor at it. And they mm-hmm. just kind of share mm-hmm. things that they heard with from somebody in a session or a session or like a, yeah. an hour with them. So. And that's another thing yeah. too. Like, if I'm at a good, healthy church where they have pastoral staff that can help me, I may be a little apprehensive about like giving up all the goods, right? Because I'm afraid that stuff may be leaked. Mm-hmm. So, going to a steeple, you know, where I'm talking to a counselor that's not a pastor at the church where I'm at, might be making it, it may make it easier mm-hmm. for me to put all that stuff out there. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying that's right. Yeah, but, but I'm just saying that that's why I think you need to have places like a steeple because mm-hmm. some people feel more comfortable sharing more intimate details with someone they don't know versus someone that they'll see every week and they'll feel like some kind of condemnation or judgment and might not even want to go to church no more. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, you know, like we hear obviously the, the worst of people's lives. Um, and, and, you know, that's another reason for you know, that we exist and by God's grace, it doesn't like ruin us. Right. I mean, there's so many things that we hear that they're so terrible, um, that people have experienced and, you know, we're able to sit with them and care for them and walk with them, uh, through like long periods of struggle and heartache that they wouldn't be able to do in a different way. But also, you know, they, they know that the person they're talking to is not just a, a bumper sticker Christian Mm -hmm. because I've been in Bible studies and somebody shares, you know, um, and a lot of people have somebody share something really hard 
and somebody immediately makes it about them mm-hmm. or they make some sort of condemning comment that mm-hmm. is like, yeah, I mean, when I was a, you know, a kid, my parent did that to me too. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Like, I'm just talking, I'm like being open and honest about mm-hmm. struggles I have. And you're telling me that I'm like your abusive mom. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, that's not what's happening right now mm-hmm. at all. So people are afraid because when they share something, is it going to be received and cared for well? And like, you know, like the sacred moment of I'm opening up some really hard stuff. And is somebody going to give me some like, man, we'll just pray for you and God's in control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You wow. Know? That's, that's really deflating and discouraging. Um, and, you know, we steeple try, you know, like we want to partner with churches and, and help, you know, develop kind of care stuff. And some of them are really awesome and they already have lots of great stuff. And so um, you're thankful for those and want to help others. And yeah. Wow. Well, man, this has been great. I mean, it's, it seems like an hour just flies by, you know. So, man, Aaron, thank you for coming by. But before we go, is there any like if there's one last word you kind of want to leave our listeners with, um, what would it be? Man, you should have prepared me that for that. I could have just you, you know, know what? It's spontaneous, had... man. Spontaneous. Yes, but what's the first uh, thing that hits your mind? Yeah, what's your burden for people? Um, my burden for people is, uh, you know, to know the Lord, uh, to, I think get into his word, get into community and find good people that are faithful, um, that like actually care for people. You know, my, my hope isn't that we have a ton more people come to steeple and, you know, be, that we have more counseling Mm. to do you know, like that's never been our. That's never been our goal is to build up a practice that is thriving and, you know, like all these, like that's never been what Steeple has been about. We are, we're all about like people, you know, growing, maturing, uh, especially because we're primarily for the church, like growing in faith and, and growing in hope. Um, you know, I think there, there is hope, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, there's hope in the Lord. Amen. Um, I, and I think that's the, maybe that's the, the final thing. There is hope mm-hmm. in the Lord. And this isn't like, oh, I sure hope, you know, the, the bulls win tonight, right? Like wishful yeah. thinking, right? It's the, you know, like there's hope because we know in Chicago that eventually the spring will come, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not here now, but we know there will, there will be a time when it's there. And so mm-hmm. that's that hope, you know, as um, like we can, we can trust that, that the Lord is going to, is going to bring uh, peace on earth, um, you know, and so mm-hmm. we can hope that he's going to care for us well. And yeah. Well, give I, us peace. I like the humility that you exhibited about steeple and that you guys aren't in this for the business. You're in this right. to help people. Um, but I think that people are broken. And if we see more and more people come to Christ, um, if we're looking for revival and even praying for revival and going out and making disciples, then the business is going to blow up because you take a whole bunch of broken folks that's going to start coming to church. There's no way that a pastoral staff at any church is going to be able to handle that load. And we'll need all the steeples that we can mm-hmm. to try to help those people walk through these issues that they have of mental health. Sam, what about you? What's your last word, brother? I'm done. I'm tapped out. You tapped out, man. <laughs> well, tapped I, out. I, I would say this is a final thought for me. I never really thought about mental health prior to the pandemic in terms of me having issues, mm-hmm. right? I always thought mental health mm-hmm. was like crazy people or dare I say retarded people, mm-hmm. man, to look at myself in the mirror and think about the mental health that I have or better yet don't have, mm-hmm. man, it's real. Yep. The struggle is real. And I consider myself a fairly somewhat mature mm-hmm. believer in Jesus, but man, like, we need help. Everybody needs help, man. Go seek help if you have issues. Man, go find someone. Aaron. You know, Jonathan was talking about, we were kind of describing what is mental health, right? What, is, what does that actually look like? And and he said one time, it's being able to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, right? So can we do that? Like, can we really love the Lord? That's what mental health is. Mm, Amen. That's so. a good last word. All right, y'all. All right, good being with y'all. Check us out again next week. Don't go stepping in no BS. Peace. See you.